Welcome to the Eastridge Church East Campus Podcast. We bring to you the message portion of our Sunday services in a convenient podcast form. You can listen on your way to work, during your lunch break, or even during your workouts. We want to put tools in your pocket to help you throughout the week. If you would like to find out who we are or what we are about, please visit us at eastridge.church. All right, let's go. Uh, any uh, movie fans in the in the room in the house in the house? Any movie fans in the house? You know, uh, probably now. I don't know if you realize how old this movie is, but 1991, a movie called Apollo 13 came out. That just makes I can't believe it's been that long. Okay, but that movie came out, and if you know, if you're now, if you lived. In 1970, you know exactly that that movie is a true story about Apollo 13 mission and Jim Lovell and how this group was going to the moon. But when they got up into space uh, through just some, uh, just some bad engineering, um, they leaked almost all of their oxygen into space. This was supposed to be a mission to the moon. And listen, that's what every astronaut, especially at that time, wanted to do. Well, now that, that mission to the moon was aborted. It was scrapped. And now the mission was what? get home, to get home. Well, they did a lot of research uh, with that movie, and they started interviewing some of the staff, and they interviewed uh, the flight controller uh, at that time to ask what was the mindset of the crew, but also what was the mindset of the staff at, at command center? They, they wanted to know what, what was going on, and he was asked this question. He said, he said, well, here's the question he was asked. He said, weren't there times when everybody, or at least a few people, just panicked? Now, think about this. Three, not just astronauts, but three of your friends, three of your work family are up in space, very limited oxygen, and the mission is to get them home. And his answer was this, no, no. When, when bad things happen, he said, we just clear, calmly laid out all the options and failure was not one of them. They just calmly laid out all the options, and failure was not one of them. Failure is not an option. For failure is not an option. Now listen, you and I have this mission, and it's not to save three people, but listen, Jesus gave this mission to the disciples, go tell all the world so that all the world might be saved Receive the forgiveness of sins and be made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, you go tell all the world about them. And you know what? Failure is not an option. Well, sort of just like with Apollo 13, mistakes happen, right? Individually, we, we make mistakes. And individually, we think, you know, there's no way I, I can return from this and and and. and Stay on mission to be a witness. Failure happens. Not failure, but mistakes and brokenness happens. And, and COVID-19 happens. Cancer happens. Death happens. Sick kids, sick family members, layoffs, economy, wars. You name it, all that stuff happens. But I'll say this, 
The mission doesn't change. I'll tell you what those things want to do. And I, and I find myself saying this over and over again about the things that are happening in this world and in the world we live in. Don't be distracted by the things of this world. Don't be distracted by the brokenness of this world. Don't be distracted when people can't get along. Don't be distracted when countries can't get along. Don't be distracted by pandemics and don't be distracted by stomach virus. Don't be distracted from the mission. We had this mission to be witnesses all over the world. And for you and I, it's Newton County. For you and I, it's our loved ones. For you and I, it's the people we work with. And don't get distracted. And remember, failure is, is not an option. It's not an option. But, and I'll be the first one to admit this, it can seem overwhelming. Okay? Now, if I just said one of you is in charge of reaching 90,000, that would seem real overwhelming. But you know what? Between the two campuses, between two campuses and Celebrate Recovery on Thursday night, there's about an army of a 1,000 of us. I mean, you think about this, just 90 each. Is that right? Just say yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm South Carolina education. It slips sometimes. And if you're South Carolina, I'm sorry. You're smarter than me, okay? But it can seem overwhelming. But failure, again, is, is not, as, not an option. You, we're going to see, you, you see throughout Scripture over the last two centuries with all the wars that have gone on and all the pandemics that have gone on, with, with the persecution that, that has happened, the gospel has not stopped. The, the gospel has never stopped. It has kept spreading throughout time and across the lands. Failure is not an option. Nothing can or will stop the gospel from spreading. Nothing can, nothing will stop the gospel from spreading. All right, it's been spreading all this time. Now what we're going to do this morning, we're going to look at two uh, individuals, look at two stories about Paul and Barnabas, and we're going to look at their missions. And you're going to see how nothing will stop the gospel. Now, now here's what I want. Here's what I want to challenge you with. I was having a conversation with somebody, and I asked them um, about discipleship. I said, who's the disciple? He said, oh, the disciples are, are you and, and the pastors. No. Disciples are people that follow Jesus. And so it's easy to, if you're, if you're not a pastor or something, it's easy to not identify with these guys. We just happen to get their names. But I want you to know something. The gospel spread around the world on a bunch of nameless people that were not pastors. It was shared in the workplace. It was shared on ships. It was shared on trading ships as people went around the world working. So, so I just want to share that little piece with you. Don't think it's just me. Or, or the other pastors. No, it is us. It is the mission of the church. So, spiritual warfare won't stop the gospel. Nothing stops the gospel from spreading spiritual warfare. Now, Scott, are you talking about evil spirits? I am. Next question is you think of Scott. Do you believe in evil spirits? I do. I've seen them in my own home. I, 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 I've been a, uh, I don't want to say a victim. I'm not a victim of Satan, but I've been the attacked spiritually. My family's been attacked spiritually. So I do believe that they personally exist. And yes, I've witnessed it, but am I scared? No. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 
All right? And I want you to have that same attitude. Greater is he, greater is Christ, greater is the Holy Spirit in you than Satan that is in the world. All right, because I have seen them retreat in the name of Jesus. And that's what you're going to see here. Acts 13, 4 through 12, these guys are commissioned to share the gospel, to share there's forgiveness of sins, that people can be made right with God through Jesus Christ. All right, so Paul, Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. There in the town of Salami, that's no, not it, I'm just, just <laughs> Here, here's what you got to know. Pastors will get up here and read these names with confidence. But if you read a name with confidence, y'all don't know. We don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to say Salamis, all right? There in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jewish synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until they finally they reached Paphos where they met a Jewish sorcerer, a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. He had attached himself to the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man. The governor invited Barnabas and Saul to visit him, for he wanted to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, as his name means in Greek, interfered and urged the governor to pay no attention to what Barnabas and Saul said. He was trying to keep the governor from believing. you got to understand this. Satan is going to keep the people that you want to see come to Christ, the people you want to share the gospel with, he's going to want to keep them from believing. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked the saucer in the eye. Then he said, You son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand upon punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes, and he began groping around, begging for someone to take his hand and lead him. When the governor saw what had happened, he became a believer, for the Lord was a, for, for he was astonished at the teaching about the Lord. Here's a man with an evil spirit who has the ability to so future telling or sorcery, witchcraft, that type of stuff. But understand this. If someone's coming against you because of your faith, understand this. People are not our enemy. People are not our enemy. What he means when he says sons of the devil, he's talking about you're you're under the devil's direction. You're you're under the devil's authority. You're interfering with with the gospel. People are not our enemy. You've got some people in your life right now that may be a distraction, to say it nicely. They may be a distraction. They may be calling all types of angst and, and all types of heartache in, in your life. But I want to say, people are not the enemy. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12 says, he says a final word. This is Paul talking later. He says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. He says, put on all of God's armor. All of God's armor. So that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood. We're not fighting against flesh and blood. It's often be said, if you can pinch your enemy and he screams, that's not your enemy. If you can punch him in the nose and they bleed, that's not your enemy. But we're against all evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, against evil spirits in the heavenly places. 
And then he goes on and he lists the full armor of God. But there's only one offensive piece of armor. There's only one weapon. It's the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And what you and I have to have, and we're going to talk about this later on, maybe in August, but we have to be guarded with that sword. We have to be armed with that sword daily and, and, and throughout the day in order to remember this. But the only way you can fight the lies is with the sword of the Spirit. But listen also, when Paul saw this guy, says Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he looked him right in the eye to confront him. It was the Holy Spirit working through Paul. It wasn't just his own strength. Paul said, be, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. We have to make sure we're staying and walking in Christ. But as a result, the governor ends up believing. See, but spiritual warfare did not stop the gospel. You don't have to be scared of Satan. He's a, he's a liar. All right? Here's what we must do. First uh, Peter says this, Stay alert and watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Here's what he's going to do. Here's how he's going to devour you. He's going to get you thinking a certain way. Because if he can get you thinking a certain way, he'll get you acting a certain way. If he can get you thinking fearful thoughts, then we'll be quiet. If he can get you thinking sinful thoughts, then we'll be sinful. But be alert. Paul was alert. And be alert as you're thinking about the people, your loved ones, your family, your friends that you want to see come to Christ. Because listen, he does not want to see that happen. So here's a question. You may be wondering, have I ever, when I say I, you, have you ever experienced spiritual warfare? If you've had these thoughts in your head, I can't share Jesus with others. That's for somebody else. Or maybe the thought is, you know what? I have blown my witness. There's no way I could share Christ with others. Hey, let me just tell you this. You probably are going to blow your witness at some point. You're going to be at work or on the golf. If you play golf, you're going to blow your witness. You know what happens when you do that? I got a good friend who's, who's gone back into the workforce. And he said, you know what? I'm afraid I'm just going to blow my witness. I said, you know what? If you do, just go to him. Go, you know what, guys? I'm sorry. I, I didn't represent Christ well. I wasn't, a good, I wasn't a good example. I wasn't a good witness to you. And I'm sorry. That's all you got to do. Maybe the lie is this. I'm not good enough. Or maybe the lies, I'm not able. I'm going to tell you something. If you've been thinking those thoughts, I'm going to tell you, they didn't originate with you. They didn't originate with me just saying them for the first time. No, Satan has planted those thoughts. He is a liar. All I know is Jesus, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I replace those lies with the truth. I, I cut that lie with the sword that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Remember that Satan is the father of all lies, and lying is his greatest witness. And so if you've got thoughts in your head like, I can't, I, I'm not able, I've blown it, listen, that's straight from Satan, and you claim Christ. You claim Christ. Listen, if he can get us thinking a certain way, he'll get us acting a certain way. Well, let's do this. Let's say you tell a loved one, you tell a friend, you tell a grandchild, you tell you know, a daughter, a son, a neighbor, a mother, a father, whoever it may be. Let's say you tell them about how you came to faith in Jesus. 
Do you, let me ask you a question. Do you remember what that was like? What life was like before Jesus? See, I remember. I, I remember that. And I know I'll tell you this, and I'm, I'm, I've told you several times how I came to faith in Jesus through a friend, but I remember the feeling of lostness. I, I had a great facade. But I remember what it felt to be lost and, and scared and alone. And listen, none of my friends knew it. They thought everything was great. I knew what it was like to feel guilty for sin. I knew what it was like to feel like you're just walking through life in the dark. I knew what it felt to be separated from God. But I also know what it feels like. That moment I confessed Christ as Lord and he filled me with himself. All of a sudden, life made sense. Was that perfect? No. But you know what? I was forgiven. And I was loved. And literally, according to Scripture, and because I've experienced Jesus, became my best friend. Well, let's say you share that with somebody. And you ask them, hey, do you want to follow Jesus? And they say no. Well, then you punch them in the nose. No. What do, you, what do you do? You remember this. Rejection won't stop the gospel. Rejection will not stop the gospel. Uh, Paul and Barnabas are continuing uh, in other regions now. They're, they're preaching Christ crucified. They're preaching the forgiveness of sins in Christ. They're preaching Christ raised from the dead. But they're soon faced with opposition. Uh, chapter 13, verses 44 through 52. It says the following week, Almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. Can you imagine that? Almost the entire city turns out. But when some of the Jews saw the crowds, they were jealous, so they slandered Paul and argued against whatever he said. This is cancel culture. Seriously. They didn't like it. We're going to get rid of it. Then Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly and declared it was necessary that we first preach the word of God to you Jews, but since you've rejected it and judged yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we will offer it to the Gentiles, non-Jewish people. For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I've made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. Now think about this. This is just really in that region at the time. The gospel has now spread. We are the farthest corners according to them. Of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message, and all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. Listen, nothing will stop the gospel. Then the Jews stirred up the influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. So they shook the dust from their feet as a sign of rejection and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were rejected by the Jews, by their people. And then they shared it to the, with the Gentiles. Not everyone you share the gospel. I have shared the gospel probably three times in the last two weeks, maybe three weeks. And I've had people thank me for it. And, and here's what I said. You know, I said, look, I hope you'll look back. I hope you'll look back on this time and just know I, I love you and I'm just trying to help you. That's it. I don't want you to look back and think anything else. And either people were saved 
or people said they're not ready or just stared blankly at me. Okay? Not, not everyone will receive the gospel. You keep going. You, you keep going. The, the reason that you can call on, on Jesus as Lord is because somebody just kept going in your past. So somebody kept going. Not everybody, listen, not everybody's going to receive the gospel, but just keep going. Paul and Barnabas, they went to others. Rejection did not stop them. Well, that's then. That's like 2,000 years ago. How, how do we bring this message home? Listen, remember this. Failure's not an option. Failure's not an option. And listen, it's not our job to save people. It's not our responsibility to save people. It's our responsibility to tell people how and by whom they might be saved. So how do we do that? I want to invite uh, Chad Hambrick up. Uh, Chad is the director of discipleship and the cafe and the ushers and the creators. And he's the, he's the uh, director of the dump truck that we unloaded uh, on, on him. So, But I'm going to invite uh, Chad up. And so Chad... Um, we have this initiative when you walked in, and Chad's going to talk more about it, of the cards and the seats. We have this initiative, this evangelism initiative called Who's Your One? And so Chad is, is a champion of this, and so I'm just going to ask Chad a couple of questions uh, about that. Chad, first exactly, explain to everybody what Who's Your One is. All right. Well, first of all, I want you guys to know that I am so passionate about Who's Your One. It makes me um, just so excited to think about what could happen in our community Who's Your One is a Great Commission initiative, and it's going to help equip and encourage every single member of the East Ridge family, everyone, to pray for and to share the gospel with at least one person before the end of this year. And I want you to know, uh, Scott mentioned these cards. Um, these are really important, and what we want you to do, they, they tear apart, of course, but what you do is... is you might already know who your one is. You might already have one. If you do, you can write their name down. But if you don't, you can take these home, pray, ask God to put somebody on your heart. Um, and just before you come back next week, write their name down on this card and tear it off and bring it back with you next Sunday. And we're going to do something really cool as a, a symbolism of us bringing these people before the Lord. So don't forget, bring them back next week. And what's important that he said is, because it can feel overwhelming. Sometimes one person can feel overwhelming. Okay? Yeah. The church is going to encourage and equip. We're, we're going to come yes. along beside you and encourage you and equip. So why is it vital to fully embrace this Who's Your One initiative as a church? Why is it vital, Chad? Absolutely. Um, bef before I jump into that, we will have tools for you every week. So every time you come back, we'll have something to equip you and resource you. And it'll be one step at a time, so don't worry about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just think about it. You know as well as I do, we have 90,000 people in, our, in just Newton County that are separated from God's love, you know? Uh, 90,000 people, and not to mention all around the world. Mm -hmm. And there are people out there that have no hope, they don't have abundant life, and just to be blunt, if they die, they're going to spend eternity separated from God. And if, listen, if, if we knew that one of our friends was headed for disaster, we would do everything we could to help them, uh, you know, to be safe mm -hmm. and to have life. Yeah. 
And, um, and I, you know, it's, it's so important because we have to allow God to break our hearts and think about those people as someone headed for disaster for all of eternity and, and, and just do everything we can to share with them the love of Christ. That's right. Well, let's say we do this. What do you, what do you think the impact will be, and what will, what will our church look like if we go all in on this? Man, I, I truly believe that we could see the greatest revival mm-hmm. that we have ever seen. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, just imagine if 800 people shared the gospel with one person, mm-hmm. we would have 800 new brothers and sisters in Christ. 800 people with hope and life change. 800 people that would know Jesus and be so excited about Jesus that they would go share Mm -hmm. Jesus with others, and it wouldn't stop there. And I just believe that this is so important, and if we'll embrace this fully, if we'll really run after this and be obedient to the Great Commission, we're going to see the most incredible movement of God here at our church. Yeah. And so just know this is something we pray about, we've been praying about. We have a group, which any of you are welcome to join in, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 7.15 a.m., we have a group that does a call-in prayer, and we pray for the lost. We pray for our church, and we pray for our nation. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We've been praying about this. We're passionate about this. And we're asking you to join us. Right. It's going to be a great experience. Awesome. Thank you, Chad. All right. Appreciate Thank all you. you do, man. Yeah give, yeah, give Chad a hand. I'll say this, um, and I'm not just saying this because he's in the room, but um, there's people in my life that had a huge impact on me and my faith and where I am in ministry, and Chad's, Chad is definitely one of those guys. Now, one thing that you heard Chad say a couple times, and it was this word prayer. It's prayer. It's not go and do. It is go and share, but it's prayer. We, we want to make sure we're following the Lord in this. We want to have eyes that are open to, to people that he's already working upon. Because here's what I believe. He's pursuing everybody. I, I believe that. He doesn't want any to perish, but everyone come to everlasting life in Christ Jesus. I believe that. So we want to begin with prayer. Now, one thing we're doing differently here at Eastridge is we want to offer a time in every service for people to respond however the Lord, for whatever the Lord may be putting on them. For today, we're going to have a time of prayer. Just down here at the altar, if you're able, if you want to stay in your chair, that's fine. But I'm going to be down here at the altar. And I want you to join me. And I'm going to tell you what I'm praying for. That he would give the church boldness. Boldness to share the faith. To share your story and how you came to faith in Jesus. To invite others to know Jesus. So I'm going to pray for boldness. Maybe you already know somebody you want to see come to the Lord. Maybe you can start praying for them. Or, Or maybe you don't know who that is and you want to ask the Lord to show you who it may be. Or maybe it's just something else you just want to pray about. We invite you to to come and to pray. Or maybe you're the one. Maybe you've never confessed Jesus Christ as Lord. And you want to today. I'll tell you what, I'm going to pray. And if you want to 
come and you can join me down here after I'm through praying while the the band will sing us uh, lead us in song I'd love to introduce you to Jesus Father God may we never forget the greatest mission on the earth the greatest mission for the church and it's not fellowship it's not gathering together it's not celebrate recovery it's not Sunday morning it's not reading a good Christian book the greatest mission is not attending growth groups or small groups or step studies Father, while all those are important, Father, may we never forget the greatest submission is to be witnesses. So that other people may be able to call on Jesus and call God their Father. So, Father, do a great work in us. And, Father, do a great work through us. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to speak with someone about the message you just heard, or if you would like to pray with someone, send us an email at info at eastridge.church. If you feel led to support the ministry at Eastridge, please visit eastridge.church slash give. Thank you for your generosity. Remember, no matter where you are in life, God loves you. We love you, and you have a family at East Ridge Church.